Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd. Welcome to the How to Live Podcast Uncut. Thank you for joining today. I I'm so grateful for those people who are letting me know how much they're benefiting from the podcast. It's always good to have that kind of encouragement. And for those of you who um, have let me know how much they uh, matter to you, please continue to share with others the benefit you're receiving, because I would just love for more and more of us to just to gain more and more capacity of being able to be together. So thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast is called More About Needs, which is connected to the last podcast called The Common Sense of Needs. And both podcasts have their reference point in a book called The Needs of the Heart. In the last podcast, I talked about how the book The Needs of the Heart is, and I somewhat jokingly said this, but also with a serious intent, the book is unpopular. And it's not because it's poorly written, in fact, I think uh, it, it is the, the, the most well-edited thing I've ever written and by a, by a real good editor who would, would not allow me to waste one single word and at the same time made sure that the concise expression of what I was intending to say actually got said. And so this book is extreme. It's small and very, very concise. So... I wasn't surprised that it, it, it isn't more popular. And at the same time, it's very sad that it's not because of the benefit it offers us to be able to have more of the lives we're looking for. But I think it's unpopular because there's a price to be paid. The price to be paid requires that we acknowledge to be able to live truly successfully requires that we do the one thing in many ways we don't want to face for several reasons. We have to be good at the vulnerability of neediness. Even that expression, be good at being needy, is um, really unattractive to most people. But I find that our greatest strength comes from our greatest capacity to take ownership of our vulnerability in a way that allows us to acknowledge how much we are like others and how much we need each other to be able to find the lives we're actually looking for. Rather than simply competing against each other, we actually cooperate fully with each other and that way doing more together than we can do apart. That doesn't rule out healthy um, competition from the standpoint of search for excellence and pursuit of excellence. That's what I think of as competition. It's really a self-motivated attempt to be everything we're capable of being and uh, wishing in some ways the same thing for others because the, the, the more we're able to make and do and progress, the more we have together. So this is about continuing uh, to uh, apply and recognize the benefit of needs in our own lives and to take a look at what happens if we don't. It was 1982, and uh, Sonia and I, the woman I'm married to, fortunately now, for we're starting 38 years, um, actually this month. 
So uh, this in a few uh, days, actually. And uh, I remember we were engaged and I was an out of touch young man, uh, much, much more in denial than, of course, I knew. And at the same time, pretty confident about what a person needs to be like to be successful. And all of those success strategies had to do with self-protective mechanisms, which are not the best uh, approaches to apply if you're going to live a full life, and especially if you're going to live a healthy marriage. But I remember we were in another state, and I can remember uh, we were crossing a bridge, and I remember the ka-plunk, ka-plunk, ka-plunk sound when we were hitting the different uh, the flex joints in the bridge. And I remember uh, saying to Sonia, I, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much I want you. But I, I just need to tell you that I don't need you. And I remember her look, uh, her look of hurt and uh, quizzical befuddlement and also the, the, the recognition that she was l- looking at someone who honestly did not make sense, was out of touch, removed. And, and she expressed her hurt. She expressed her dismay. And my perception of her dismay and her hurt was that, believe it or not, that she actually needed to mature, that she needed to grow up. She needed to recognize that that needing each other was neediness, and neediness was weak and disgusting and sickening and pathetic. And it meant that a person was uh, unable and unwilling to take care of themselves. I was the one that was in utter denial about what it means to live fully in relationship. And she was the one who was awake to what a person needs to be able to do to find everything that they're able to find in a relationship. And that moment was frozen in my mind as I looked backwards later on. Now, 32 years ago, um, and say it was like 32 years ago would be uh, 1988, a person asked me um, what I needed. What do you need? And I remember looking back through my, my mind in terms of just the files in my brain, a person truly out of touch with what was going on 18 inches below my forehead, except to react against it or to consider it something that needed to be controlled, removed, excised, uh, exercised, um, uh, turned into something else. Uh, because I saw being a human being with all that that entails, the powerlessness of how we're created, that we're created in a certain way, that we need to be responsible related to it, and we live in a world that we don't control over which we're powerless, and facing that puts us in a position of truly needing to be awake to how I'm made and how I'm made to live fully in relationship with others because we truly do need each other in God to be able to navigate a place that we really don't control. And yet at the same time, we're created to want to live in this place fully, and yet that requires a level of vulnerability that often puts us in positions of pain. So 32 years ago, this person said to me, what do you need? And I remember going through my brain, looking at my files, so to speak, and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a college course talks about Maslow's self-actualization hierarchy. And so I was about getting the right answer, saying what this person was looking for 
and at the same time being right, and which meant hiding my own need to ask questions or my acknowledgement of not knowing. Also, that question got close to something on some level I knew I was running from. But I remember I answered the question of what do I need with Maslow's uh, hierarchical beginnings. It was food, water, shelter, and clothing. And I, after even saying that on the bridge, had still not grown enough, acknowledged enough, faced enough, or admitted my own humanity enough to be able to say um, that needs were not just the luxuries of food, water, shelter, and clothing, but needs are actually emotional and relational experiences that we have that allow us to live fully. The needs of a human being are way beyond food, water, shelter, and clothing. Those are basic biological needs, but the human being finds fulfillment through the needs being met, and the needs predominantly are emotional and relational. So I answered this person with food, water, shelter, and clothing, and then I remember she said, well, what else do you need? And I said, nothing, uh, because everything else is just a luxury. Everything else is a want. We need food, water, shelter, and clothing. Anything else that happens is just icing on the cake. And what I was saying was, uh, frankly, um, insane. And I was that entrenched and that removed, that much in denial about my condition. I was a person who was living in denial. I didn't know that what I thought of as my greatest strength was actually functioning functioning to help me run away from the vulnerability of feeling and needing. I just thought that if I had a problem, I'd figure it out. I believe that if I figured hard enough and long enough, I'd get it done. And I believe that if I couldn't find the solution, then I had failed personally. I did not know that I was actually sick in my thinking and sick in, in heart and afraid and lonely and actually sad and that I was ashamed of what it meant to be human. I, um, I believe that if I couldn't find the solution, like I say, that I had failed personally and I did not know that what I thought of as a strength was actually quite deadly. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. So I began to awaken to what it meant to be a person, to be a, a human being. And then in 1991, a couple of three years later, I began to, through this awakening process, uh, going 18 inches below my forehead and discovering a return to the rest of my life, a return to how I was created, a return to how I was made. And the benefits relationally, starting with myself and Sonia, uh, words can't speak. Words literally cannot speak how far removed we were able to get, I was able to get from going across that kaplunkety kaplunkety, that bridge that day 
when I spoke as a very scared, lonely, and small person because I had gripped so tightly the need for control out of the fear of what it would mean to awaken to being a human being. I did not know until 1988 that needs, most of the needs of a human being are emotional and relational related. A need, just to put it very starkly starkly as possible, is a need is a deficit that requires biological, food, water, shelter, and clothing, but a need is a deficit, which means that something's been poured out or something hasn't arrived for that which we have to have. So a need is a deficit that requires biological, emotional, and spiritual gratification for fulfillment. Needs are the tools that we've been given to receive healing and replenishment and recovery, even recovery of that which has gotten left behind. And we have to have and need to have needs fulfilled so that we can press onward toward being and expressing who we were created to be. The, the, the needs are really the most important second step in living a full life and uh, because you awaken to what you feel and feelings take you to your needs and you awaken to the needs allow you to actually become a person who's capable of being needy. Neediness is something that we have to practice and we become good at being needy over time even though uh, we were experts at birth at being needy. In order to be uh, met in our places of need, though, we have to be good at confessing our needs to ourselves, others, and God. That's what I mean by being needy. Our sources of strength and our neediness actually fall outside ourselves. No human being is an island, and no human being is self-sufficient in terms of being able to live the, live the fullest life. We can be good at isolation. We can be good at impairment. We can be good at running away from our lives, but, but by ourselves without help from anyone. But we have to have help from others to be good at living. So we human beings are relational creatures, and neediness is the paradoxical doorway to the strength that we were created to actually have. So the true needs of the human being are relational, really not primarily biological. Our truest relational needs are so important that they must be fulfilled or we will die an emotional and spiritual death. And had I continued on the same course that um, going across that bridge and continuing on, had I continued on the same course, um, let's just say we would not have had the marriage that we did end up having. So it makes a big difference. The need to belong and the need to matter today for our, our topic today, we'll talk about two feelings. The need to belong and the need to matter are the two most powerful needs that a human being has. The belonging is the need to be accepted for who we are as emotional and spiritual beings. Many of us are taught early, like I was talking about earlier, to despise our neediness because our needs often go unmet. So again, the, the need to belong is the need to be accepted for being you. 
Belonging is being accepted for being human. If this need is not met, we will search externally through performance throughout our lives for an internal security we ultimately won't find. I believe that if I was if I was strong in terms of not needing, that somehow I would have a security through my performance, which is really more of a reflection of trying to control people to think a certain way about me so I wouldn't have to admit the truth of me. So that internal security was never going to come for me through my facade or fake self or my attempts to stay away from myself. I only began to find fulfillment through the awakening of admission of being human. So belonging, which is possibly the most powerful need of all, means that we have to live in confession. It means that we bring the feelings, needs, desire, longings, and hope we have within us to the possibility of trusting another person. So living in the world of belonging means, one, that we're open to and receive being delighted in, that there, that it is communicated to our inner selves that there are people who take great joy in getting to be with us and around us. Another thing that, that allows us to have the need for belonging met is that we're able to trust that there are others who are actually curious about our hearts and curious about our interest and curious about what we think. And that also that the need to belong is met through someone being willing to stand in our way if they see us going off track into something harmful, or if they have questions to ask us about the choices that we're making, they care about who we are enough to actually stand in the way, to, to, to protest without being controlling. But the need to belong is also met through having someone to be able to be in pain with, that I can, can acknowledge the pain, and also I can acknowledge the full celebration of being alive. See, life in a place where we belong is where a life of love is actually experienced and lived out. The second primary need that we carry within us is the need to matter. And the need to matter is met through being appreciated for our own individual giftedness. That is what is born into us that comes out of us and then is developed. So the need to matter is being appreciated for our own unique expression related to how we are created. I find it very remarkable, this, this unique uh, expression of our own specific gifts. Based upon the DNA of human beings, we're all approximately 99.9% .9 the same. We are 0.10% unique. Just take a moment to ponder the power of that 0.10%. Not a single one of us looks the same, acts the same. Even twins can be told apart by anyone who hangs around them very much. So not a single one of us really looks the same, acts the same, thinks the same, and yet we are remarkably similar in what we need in order to thrive. Just as cellular life functions similarly in us, so does our emotional and spiritual makeup. We're all created 99.9% .9 identical. What a great, amazing community we can have if we combine everything together. If we commit to continually expressing and sharing that unique 0.10%. 99.9% is identical, which allows us to have fellowship, but we don't have the full impact 
of what that fellowship can be until we are appreciated for bringing that 0.10% into the relationships. The need to matter then is bringing that 0.10% into relationship and then being appreciated for it. So we have the need to belong and the need to matter. These are the needs that take primacy over all the other needs. Without these two needs being met, the need to belong and the need to matter, the other ones can't really be met because that, that, that bedrock of security, that bedrock of recognition of knowing that we can live out of the six freedoms that I've spoken about, the need to see, the need to feel, the need to need, the need to be able to talk about what's going on inside of me, and the need to trust that others are capable of hearing that and care about what, what's being said, and the capacity to imagine myself in a full life. These six freedoms won't be expressed if the two primary needs of knowing that we belong, which means being accepted for who we are, and, and unless we know that we matter, the need to matter is met, which means that we're appreciative of that beautiful 0.10% that we bring to the relationship. So these needs take primacy over all the other needs. Without these two needs being met, the other ones cannot be met because there's no opening for us to trust others to the extent that we can become vulnerable enough to have our other needs engaged. That is why the capacity to be needy, to admit that we are human, can only be engaged in what I call a circle of security. Circles of security are communities of people that gather together to live in confession based upon the shared need of others in God. That is created to originate in a family where the child comes into the world and experiences the need to belong and the need to matter as just a matter of course. It's just taken for granted. And, and they, that allows them to extend in the confident expression of all the other needs. And also, finding a place to belong and matter allows us to begin engaging all of our other needs that can safely be confessed because we have others with us who, are, who can be trusted um, with our lives. So I hope that you will uh, get a copy of The Needs of the Heart that uh, begins with a definition of how we're made, expresses the importance of needs, defines what needs are, opens up with the very importance of the primary needs of belonging and mattering. And once the stage is set that you have a sense of belonging and mattering, that, that will allow the doors to remain unlocked which means, you know, but the key, the, the lock is opens from the inside. The person still has the choice to speak it, but the doors are unlocked. A person can come out of themselves to express uh, and allow themselves to have all the other needs that uh, are a part of us being able to be filled so we can pour out and end up meeting a world in need of what we have to offer. And what's so important is that that basis allows us to express our need for guidance. Just for example, this is the first time all of us have been through life before. So none, not one of us knows how to do what we haven't done yet. So we need guidance. For example, I don't know how to, to live in my 70s. I don't know what it's like to step into my 80s. I barely know what it's like to be in my 60s. I still find it an unusual experience. And yet I've got to speak to 
what it's like for others. Like, how do you do it? What happens next? What do you believe? What's it like to hurt like this? What's it like to 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 wrap up a career? What's it? The, what is retirement? Is there such a thing? Do I want to do that? So those are questions I have to ask others who have done it to be able to find out how to take the next steps in a healthy way. So we all have a need for guidance because not one of us was born with all the answers to life. So if you haven't been in your 30s before or married before, you need guidance. We also need security. Security. We need a place to be able to return to, 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 to have a, a safe place or a sanctuary to go to to restore before we go back out into the places of greater risk and greater vulnerability with, um, with the things that we're attempting. And we need uh, to grieve. Life is more full of loss than it's full of anything else. In fact, the more a person cares, the more loss they're going to experience because the expansion of their love into to, to all these other places in a world that's full of loss. So we have a need to grieve. It's actually a real human being need. It's a healthy experience to grieve because it literally brings us to a place called acceptance. So just, just touching on three needs, the need to grieve, the um, need for security, and the need for guidance. We also need attention. Uh, attention is not a need that ends in childhood at the age of eight. Attention is a lifelong need. It means to be tended to. For example, a person actually who is a, a great servant of society, that person's need for attention is more important, actually more vital than even a child's need for attention because this person who's very important to society will be pouring himself or herself out into the lives of others. And there is only a bucket's uh, amount, a bucket amount of our capacity to pour out before we need to be refilled. And attention is vital to a person who's serving because it means to be tended to or to be nourished. It's like to be watered if you're a plant, but really to be encouraged in heart and nourished in heart and being given time to rest and restore, to be encouraged and valued. So even the need for attention, if we don't awaken to it, we wind up in the positions of burnout and uh, worn out, frustrated, resentful. And in a lot of ways, I think the lack of uh, people receiving the nourishment they need has a lot to do with a tremendous amount of failed relationships in adults. One last need I'll touch a base on is the need for fun. So with that said, uh, just touching base on attention, uh, grief, security, and guidance, I'll close. Um, and um, I hope that you'll, like I say, get the book, The Needs of the Heart, because the better you are at being able to know what your needs are, face your needs, admit your needs, allow yourself to speak your needs, then the, the higher the probability is that your needs will be met. And the fuller you are, the more you can give. The more, more you have, the more you can offer. So it's just so commonsensical. And frankly put, I think it's a responsibility of us, especially the grown-ups, to be able to be really good at needing because there is a world in need uh, who needs what we have to offer. In a lot of ways, we will end up devaluing what we can offer because we don't have the courage 
of neediness. Thank you for listening. God bless you, and I appreciate it very much.